Alright everyone, once again we are back. Happy Harry Hardon, aka Ray Ramos, vice versa, all that stuff. Um, so this is part two of La Llorona story that I was uh, telling you guys about the other day. And I'm going to jump right into it just uh, you know, just to, to get to the, to the nitty gritty stuff, to the stuff that I found out years later. Because this, uh, this story is really um, the beginnings of my interest in the paranormal, in the occult, in cryptids, in anything, any lore, folklore, you know, storytelling especially. I've always felt it that uh, that was my job. If, uh, you know, had I been born into a tribe long ago... I would have tried to be the storyteller for the tribe. It's always uh, been told to me that the storyteller had a very prominent place in uh, in a tribe, you know, in a native tribe or anywhere across the world. If you look at the place that a storyteller has in their society, it is not only a place of reverence, but its, uh, its importance um, is without equal. It rivals that of the shaman, and rivals that of the tribal elders, because the storyteller has the ability to to change things, to change the past, to change knowledge, and to bring knowledge to their people, to their tribe. I always felt that was very powerful, because how else do we, not so much control people, but how else do we learn from our mistakes? How else do we grow as a person? by learning from the stories that have come before us, learning from the tales and uh, the legends that have uh, been told to us, handed down to us. And uh, that's a very important place because back in the day, that was the only way that we had for entertainment, for knowledge, um, to completely uh, continue, I guess, the lineage of, uh, of a tribe. And uh, that's something that's always been very important to me, something that's been very sacred to me. I mean, anybody can do comic books, right? But um, who can craft them? Anybody can read poetry, right? But who can craft fine poetry and fine stories and uh, change way, your way of, of thinking? So with that said, it was um, the next morning I asked my sister, just to backtrack a little bit after the Yorona experience, I asked my sister the next morning, what the hell was that? What had happened? And uh, she stonewalled me, man. She just would not tell me anything other than the fact that it was La Llorona. And um, just uh, don't worry about it. Just forget about it. Forget it ever happened. My sister lived out there in the boonies of Moon City back in the day. And during that time, there wasn't very many houses. There wasn't very many people living out there. It was truly where El Paso ended and everything else became like farmland. There was kind of, you know, farms. There was people that were, you know, I guess trying to make it on their own out there, building their houses, buying up land and settling down, uh, trying to make their dream work. My sister was one of these people. She had moved out there with my brother-in-law, my brother-in-law. Um, you know, they had met years earlier, married, they had kids, all that stuff. But uh, she moved away from the city and she was living out there in Socorro near Moon, Moon City, or in Moon City, rather. And it always seemed like a chore to go visit her because of the uh, the distance, the how far away she was from, from uh, the family, if you could call it that, because that's another thing, too. Like, my family was not very, um, I guess, man, how would you put it? close-knit or something you know i had a sister i had a brother but they kind of stayed to their own to their own it was um 
very rare that I would get to see them, much less interact with my nieces and nephews. And if I did, it was always, they were very close to my age. And it wasn't really like, I don't know, I don't know how to understand, how to explain this, but, um, so you guys can understand it, but it wasn't really like a, like a, the Cosby show type of thing. Is that a good relevant thing to say? I don't know, man. It was more, it was more the Simpsons, I guess. It was very dysfunctional, but, um, like disturbingly dysfunctional to the point where it was just better to stay away from from each other because everyone seemed a little bit toxic but my sister was always very outreaching to me she wanted me to hang out with her and and her family and I would go out there and you know that's where I first would experience uh, certain things as far as uh, pop culture I would watch uh, Tales from the Dark Side because my parents wouldn't let me stay up that late when I was back home or um, uh, Monsters was another good one Twilight Zone scary movies horror movies and um, this is something that would come into play later on because my fascination with uh, with the occult and horror and stuff like that, that's where it truly began. Before that, I was afraid. I was very, very scared of anything that had to do with horror, especially zombies. I remember the first time I ever watched Thriller was with my brother at his house, and uh, that just completely like blew me away because I thought it was real. I mean, I didn't understand what uh what that was all about and um zombies and monsters and horror was something very alien to me i was used to mexican soap operas and movies with cantinflas and pedro infante and stuff like that vicente fernandez stuff i wasn't used to horror you know the type of stuff that was out like the thing you know john carpenter george romero um, you know, Lucio Fulci, that stuff was foreign to me, but I started discovering it once I started hanging out more and more with my sister. I think that had a lot to do, especially with my brother-in-law being or wanting to be so involved with me as well, you know, to hang out and to, you know, I guess experience certain things because they felt that I was very sheltered. My parents sheltered me a lot. And this is when um, all this stuff had happened, you know. I mean, afterwards, I would still go visit and it was it was kind of like pushed back in, into my psyche. The whole experience that I'd had, uh, I guess, witnessing La Llorona. But it was always there. There was like this little sensation of, of nothing or everything not seeming right when I would go there um, to, to her house. Everything seemed unnatural. The outside seemed muted. The, the clouds, the sky, even, even the, the grass, the surrounding area seemed very desolate. So the next morning I had asked her after my experience, what the hell was that? She said, don't worry about it. And uh, that was it. She didn't talk to me about it any longer. She didn't bring it up. In retrospect now, I remember seeing certain things at her house when I first, uh, you know, would go visit when I was very young, uh, books that I had never seen before. My brother-in-law sister were very much into the occult. They were, um, I guess, you know, when, when you're young, you kind of want to know stuff that is forbidden to you. Growing up uh, Catholic, I guess that was something that my sister had experienced also. You know, my parents were very... Um, I don't want to say dull, but, um, you know, they, they didn't expose us to very many things, art, um, poetry, reading, writing, um, film, stuff like that. And especially the occult, my mom was very religious and had forbidden books like that in the house. And now remembering, or rather, you know, the years after remembering 
there were certain books in that house that uh, I had never seen before. You know, there was like the Time Life books, the Mysteries of the Unknown. Um, that was the first time I had ever seen that. Um, there was also uh, the Satanic Bible. Now, that one was a big one because I picked it up and read it and I didn't know what I was reading. The Necronomicon, same thing. And uh, there was fetishes, there was talismans, there was ritualistic items that looking back now, I, I wonder what my brother-in-law and my sister were into. What were they doing out there? Especially with the desolation, there's nobody around. There's other I, um, you know, sightings of, of uh, these cults out there. And that's when I started kind of putting things together. And I started realizing that this community, these communities that were out there were so um, removed from, from I guess, uh, society or, you know, civilization, if you want to call it that, that they had their own thing going on. And in my mind, that's that started making sense. You know, my brother-in-law, my sister were into some stuff. They were into, I don't know, maybe satanic rituals. Maybe they were into witchcraft. Maybe they had things going on. And me being the naive kid that I was, I didn't understand that until years later because all that stuff followed me home. All of that stuff followed me home. All the bad energy, the negative experiences that I had uh, being there with them started to follow me home because I, growing up, um, you know, between the ages of uh, 13 to 18, after this had happened, I would witness a lot of things at my home. There was shadow people. There was uh, not not just shadow people. I call them negative shadow people because they were white. They seemed like 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 auras of, of people walking around. I would hear voices uh, in my room, in the house. My parents were very, very negative to each other. My parents were um, a couple that should have not stayed together after they had children, I'm sorry, or maybe even before that, who knows, because uh, they were not, they were not compatible. My mother was her own person, my father was his own person, and their personalities clashed to the point where these people should not have been together. And because of this, there was a lot of misery, there was a lot of negativity um, between them, and it infected the home, it spread through the home, it was all over the home. I mean, you could walk in there and cut the, cut the atmosphere with a, with a freaking knife, because it was so heavy, you know, just the, the sensation was ho so heavy, because of all the negative energy, and that's what drew all these other shadow beings, or whatever you want to call them, um, towards the house and i could go into stories about that and i'm probably i probably will uh you know i'm not gonna just start talking all this madness and leave you guys hanging so i'll probably go into detail about stories that i experienced growing up um a a aside from la llorona um at my home but all of this resulted from my experience i think that kind of opened me up without actually realizing it that uh, there was other things out there that I was not aware of. And this experience is cryptid. Yes, it's a cryptid. La Llorona is a cryptid as far as I'm concerned. It's a force of nature. People will argue with me. It's a phantom. It's a spirit. Yeah, that's a bunch of bullshit, man. Until you experience it, then you can talk. But from what I experienced, La Llorona, what I, what I believe is La Llorona, is a force of nature. That is something that is out there that I witnessed, that I experienced, and that cannot be explained away. But it is not 
a ghost. It is not a phantom. It is not a banshee or anything that you want to, you know, call it like that. It is a cryptid. It is flesh and blood. It is something that is out there that is attracted by negative energy. It is attracted by people that are into something. They're summoning something. Maybe it is a demon. Maybe it's something along those lines. I mean, there are more things out there that are unexplainable that are explainable. And uh, that's something that, uh, that I've covered a lot in, in my writing and my research. So all this stuff followed me to the home, to my house. And I would experience it. And uh, years later, on, on my graduation, um, after years and years of living in a home without uh, you know parents that loved each other, that would constantly argue, that would draw negative energy. I remember the priest came to the house on four separate occasions to bless it. Because my parents were at that point where they just could not stand each other. And everything out of their mouths mouths was just negative and uh they called the priest i think my mother called the priest because she was the more religious of all of us and the priest showed up and the priest was like again you know like wasn't i just here last year or last week or last month or whatever but yes yeah, so the priest would show up and bless the house he would go to the corners and bless the house and um you know more stuff came from that but um that's just a memory that popped into my head right now but it was on my graduation day that finally i confronted my sister and i told her and i asked her you know what happened all those years ago what did i experience what were you guys keeping from me and she told me the story she told me that she had been visited by this thing that she had seen it in the backyard that it looked human that it was it looked like it was dressed in rags like it was dirty um and uh the eyes were not so much black, but sunken, like someone that's been crying a lot, and they were red, and she could see it in the daylight, standing in the backyard, through the back uh, window in, in her room, in that little garage apartment that they had built, and it was just there, and the dogs would look at it, but not go near it, because there was dogs in the backyard, the dogs would growl at it, and they would not go near it, and uh, they would circle it, but they would not go near it, they wouldn't go anywhere near it, and that's something that's very interesting to me. She said that it would appear on occasion, it would walk around the backyard, it would try to get into the house, um, it would stand outside in the middle of the night, and you would hear it wailing, you would hear it yelling, screaming, whatever you want to call it. Um, El Paso has a lot of hidden history that a lot of people don't talk about, that if you really want to know, you have to do the research, because those people that do know kind of tend to uh, withhold that information for themselves, because, you know, whatever, they want to make books, or they want to you know, be the ones that be like, oh my God, they're the ones that know, go talk to them. Yeah, bullshit, man. If I have information, I'm more than willing to share it with you. I don't care. But um, because of this, this area of the country has so many nooks and crannies. I mean, there's Waco tanks, there's like um, hidden uh, radium springs and, and um, you know, just around here in the border, there's places and caves and, 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 um, Places that are not accessible, that are very remote, but nearby, if that makes any sense. And to think that uh, all that stuff has been explored is, is, is a bunch of BS, man. Because there's stuff out here that has never been explored. There's stuff out here that's still untouched to this day. And that's why I think La Llorona is a cryptid. And um, that day that I asked her about all this, and she was explaining to me what she had seen... And I did ask them, like, what you guys, what were you guys into? And she confirmed it, like, yeah, we were into some stuff because we wanted to make our lives better. We were practicing witchcraft, and they were 
casting spells and trying to gain power over people. And that's another thing too, you know, in my, in my learning, my journey of, of knowledge, um, power is something that is, uh, that you can manipulate and you can give people power and they can have power over you, but it's always up to you when you do that. And that's the thing that, um, that stuck with me all these years. So whatever they were doing, of course, you know, they're going to get it back because they believe in what they're doing. And belief is a very, very strong thing. The belief that what I'm going to do is going to cause an effect, you know, cause an effect. And that's the thing. These guys were doing stuff, believing that their um, ritual or whatever you want to call it was going to cause something to happen for them in their lives, something um, selfish, something just for them. And uh, it did, it called the attention of certain things. It called the attention of whatever it was that I saw out there or experienced out there. Because, I mean, literally, this thing was behind a door. I could have opened the door and very easily had seen what it was, but I heard it and I felt it and the sensation was there. And to this day, it, it still gives me the chills as far as what the hell it was. There's other stuff that was told to me as far as the, you know, the stuff that uh, my brother-in-law and my sister were into, but, um, you know, we're running out of time. I don't want to keep you guys too long. Of course, I can save it for another another uh, sub stack, of course, and I'm sure you guys will be interested in that. But um, just keep in mind that I have experienced these things. I'm, I'm, they may sound a little bit exaggerated, but everything that I'm telling you, I have witnessed or experienced at some point in time in some way, shape, or form. Well, thank you guys for listening to my rants and raves once again. Thank you for subscribing to my Substack. More to come, of course. I won't keep you guys waiting too long again. Um, and uh, wow, time flies. We're already almost at the 18-minute uh, mark. You guys can contact me through all social medias, of course. Um, email me uh, or here on Substack. Leave a comment. Please leave a comment. Let me know what you think of uh, the stories that I'm telling and everything that I'm relating to you. Thank you so much once again. This is uh, Happy Harry Hardon, a.k.a. Ramos, saying stay hard, talk hard. I will come back very, very soon. And, of course, as always, Mexcelsior.